Well, good morning, Cross Point. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It's good to see you here again this morning, and so excited to be able to just spend this at, this morning with you and this day of this time of worship. And uh, it's always a good time for me, and I hope it is for you as well. Uh, and man, do we have some exciting things ahead of us? You know, last week we uh, we gave uh, an invitation, we uh, an invite to to um, to respond in, uh, by the way of a, a very tangible way of, of just filling out a connection card, uh, describing what your next step might be. And uh, we had a lot of people fill out cards. I tell you, it was really amazing. We had over 50 people who responded for Believer's Baptism. Isn't that worth celebrating this morning? <laughs> Amen. Uh, during the, between first and second service, we had, uh, we had a room over here just filled with people going through uh, what what believers baptism is and to them and and what how we'll work that out in, in next week's service. I'm so excited about what's going to happen on this stage next uh, next week as we celebrate new life in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so uh, that's really that's really cool to me. But I'll tell you something else that was really exciting was not just the response to baptism. We had many more who who replied uh, that they wanted to. Uh, to know more about how they could volunteer and help in the life of the, the church as, 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 uh, as servants of Christ, you know, serving the community, serving the church, and being a part of just the volunteer ministry here at Crosspoint. And so uh, that, that's exciting to us as staff. We also had uh, just a, a lot of people respond uh, wanting to, to know how they could plug into a life group. And I, I, that's for, for me, it's just really exciting to know that there are a lot more here that just want to dive into discipleship in a huge way and, and, and really grow in their relationship with the Lord through discipleship, and that's very encouraging. Many others uh, filled out cards uh, signifying other things. Uh, one of the things that was really incredible was the number of you who, who checked off the box, I just need prayer in my life. I've got this going on in my life. I just I need this prayer. And one of the really encouraging things that happened this week is as, uh, as I was walking the halls and, and, and whatnot and, and just meeting with different staff was, was hearing the conversations that they were having on the phone as they were reaching out to different people in our church and, and just saying, you know, how can we pray for you? And even praying for them right there on the phone while they had them, uh, setting up meetings to, to meet with them uh, over the weeks to come. So God used that very tangible thing of, of a connection card or a next step card to, to really... Uh, inspire you guys to respond so that the staff and the church could could respond in, in ministry to you. And I, I'm just so thankful for that. And so very excited about the, the weeks to come and what God's going to continue doing. I'm also excited about the message this morning and, and how God is going to encourage us. I am, I am convinced of this, that God is going to encourage us through the reading and the preaching of his word as we look at um, a letter that Paul wrote uh, and, and how he just pointed to a grand testimony uh, of the Macedonia people. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning, very encouraged uh, about the, the, what the Word of God teaches us, and I think you will be as well. So let's pray this morning. We're going to dive into God's Word, and, and we're going to continue to worship in, in the reading and preaching of His Word. So pray with me if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, we are just so thankful for your presence in our life, for your presence in this place as we have gathered here today and, and we've come with a, a spirit of, of worship. God, we, we've come and we've gathered in this place collectively as a body 
to say, God, we love you and we are thankful for you. And God, we are excited about what you're doing in our midst. And so, Father, I pray that today as we prepare to open up your word and and dive in, God, I pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would open up our our minds, that we would be receptive to to your voice. and, and, And God, that you would just meet us in this place. God, that you would encourage us and that you would challenge us and that you would help us to to move from from a place of status quo to to growing and experiencing you more as followers of Christ Jesus. God, we're thankful for the time of worship that we have shared together and, and Father, just uh, the the amazing uh, things that you are doing among us as, as a body of believers, as a local church, a local gathering. Father, we are just blown away by your presence in our life each and every day. God, be with us now. Help us to set aside every distraction that exists in our world. And uh, God, just set all that aside so that we may hear from you. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, the message is titled, One Love That Gives It All. One Love That Gives It All. I know several of the songs that we were singing here this morning and worshiping God with was talking about us surrendering our life to Christ Jesus. And and, and so as we think about one love that gives it all, there's a couple of things that come to my mind. First of all, I think about uh, the the love that that Christ had for us, for the church, and and how he gave it all for us. But but I also think of the the great sacrifice that the church should make on on his behalf uh, for the world, to know Christ. And so you know, the, the reality is, is what God has done in our life should bring us to a, a place of, of surrender and, and also giving back that which God has given us. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about that in some, some way, and, uh, and I'm really encouraged about uh, what we're going to be studying today. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 6 and going through verse 15. Now... Before we dive into this text, I want to I do something I, I never do. I want to start at the end and kind of work my way back. So, you know, typically if you have a text and you, you say that text is from 6 to 15, you would start, it just makes sense with verse 6. But I want to I share something with you first that, that I think we can use as a bit of a springboard into the, the heart of this message. And, uh, and, and I'm excited about what I see here. I'm excited about this, and I, I want to just... Touch on this first, but I want you to look with me, if you will, at verse 15 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and and where Paul says this as he is writing to the Corinthian church. He says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now, if you understand the context of what Paul's saying here, he's literally pointing to Jesus Christ as being the greatest gift that we have ever received. How many of you agree with me that Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that we have ever received? You know, all through life, we we have an opportunity to receive gifts from from our friends, from our family, from different people. But we also know that God has blessed us with the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And we would, as followers of Christ Jesus, acknowledge that Jesus is that greatest gift gift. And so I, I want to do something here this morning. I want us to think about that. The fact that Jesus is the greatest gift, and I want to let that sink in. I want to just give us a moment to, 
to sort of meditate on that, to think about that. The, the reality that Jesus is the greatest thing, person, gift that we have ever in our life received. That Jesus is truly the greatest gift that we have ever received. Let that for just a moment sink in. Let it just settle in your hearts for just a moment. Because I believe that for us to understand what we're going to be talking about here today is going to require that we do just that. That we understand that Jesus truly is the greatest thing that we've ever experienced. That Jesus Christ truly is the most important thing in our life. And I want us to, to understand that as we prepare to move forward. You know, what we are is one faith family. As Cross Point Church, we are a local gathering of believers who, who believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we're, we're one faith family. We love Jesus and we want to ensure that others know Him. In fact, Cross Point Church was, was birthed out of this, this vision and this calling to stand behind Christ in taking the gospel message to our community and beyond and to ensure that others would know Him. In other words, Cross Point Church started with this understanding that, that Jesus was the most important thing in our life and that we are called to reach the city for Jesus. And so that's the starting point of who we are. But oftentimes, the church sort of gets lost behind this understanding. We sometimes get so involved in, in ministry and life and all the things that, 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 that really consume our life, and we sort of lose focus of the, the reality that Jesus really is the most important thing in our, in our world. And that's why I think it's so important that we just you know, meditate on that, that we allow that to, to soak in this morning that Jesus truly is the most important thing because if he is indeed the most important thing in our life and that if Jesus truly is the greatest gift that we have ever received, then wouldn't it make sense that as followers of Christ Jesus that Jesus would therefore be the greatest gift that we could ever give? If he is truly that which we have received is the greatest thing that we've ever received in our life, then why wouldn't it make sense that, that he would be the greatest thing that we could therefore give to our family, to our friends, to our, to our community, and ultimately to the world? This morning, we're going to be looking at a passage that is really amazing because it deals with just that. That we don't need to lose sight of that which is important. I love what Blaise Pascal, a French philosopher of the 1600s, he once, uh, he once said about, about this very thing, he said, man's sensitivity to small things and his insensitivity to the most important things are surely evidences of a strange disorder. In other words, so often we get things out of order, don't we? We seem to dwell on the things that really are insignificant in our world today, and we seem to forget that which is most important. I guess call it the nature of man. I don't know what you call it, but we seem to sort of reverse things. If you don't believe me, just go to Facebook and you'll see how people get so worked up about things that are just really so insignificant, aren't they? The reality is we, we as followers of Christ should never lose sight of the most important thing. And my prayer 
for all of us as a church, as a faith family, is that we would never lose sight of the reality that, that Jesus Christ truly is the greatest gift that we have ever received. Now, I want to offer to you a little bit of background just before we dive into the text. You see, the Apostle Paul is writing his second letter to the Corinthians. It's actually what most theologians would say is his third letter, but, but only two of them made the canon, made the, made the scriptures. But Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and one of the things that we discover about Paul in, his, in reading about his life is that he was on his way to the Corinthians. He was going to visit them, and, and, and he, he reveals in his letters that he sort of passed through Macedonia, and as he was passing through, it was there that he sort of got hung up. He got hindered, if you will. But what's really amazing is, is that while Paul was spending time with the Macedonians, he, he began to realize something re very amazing about this body of believers, this gathering of, of, of people who were followers of Christ Jesus, and he, he began to recognize something really uh, amazing about this group of people. As he, as he came to understand who they were, he realized that they were living a life of extreme poverty. He talks about this in his writings. He, he begins to reveal to the Corinthians that, that you know, the, 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 the Macedonians are, are people who are extremely poor. They have very little as far as material wealth. And yet, what he goes on to identify is that they are extremely generous. And so here's what he's saying as he writes to them. He, he starts this in chapter 6 and all through chapter 6 and 7 and 8 and, and then now 9 where we're about to read, he, he's, he's sort of given testimony of the Macedonians. And he talks about how despite their extreme poverty, the fact that they really have not much to give, that they have come together as a local body and they are now giving very generously to ministry and to the needs of the people around them. And this blows Paul's mind. I mean, it's, it's not the thing that he wouldn't teach anyway. I mean, quite honestly, he would probably teach this as, as he teaches the churches, but, but he, he sees this happening. And so what he does is he begins to offer a bit of a testimony of how they're living their life and how they're displaying this grand love that they have for Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ truly is the most important thing in their life and that this truth is displayed through their generosity. And so Paul is writing to the Corinthians because you see he knows that soon he'll be coming to the Corinthians and visiting them. And, and it's kind of funny because Paul recognizes the Corinthians as the same sort of people. Yeah, they had had their problems, but, but it seems as though they're working things out. And, and, and he, sort of, he says to them, he says, I know that this is who you are. I know that I'm really kind of speaking to the choir, but I wanted you to have a heads up that myself and some Macedonians are going to be coming soon. And as we come, I just want you to be aware of what's happening among the Macedonians. It's really amazing what's taking place. Because to Paul, it is very obvious that they love God and they love people. It's very obvious that despite their poverty, they are given of their time, of their talents, and their treasure. And so I want us to look at this passage knowing all of that as we dive into the word here this morning. Read with me, if you will, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. This first part of this text is very familiar. We've used this to, 
to talk about generosity before, but I want to go further with it today. He says in verse 6, starting in verse 6, he says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must, as he has decided in his heart, must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things and at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now this is the part I really want to kind of focus on, verses 10 and following. He says, And he who supplies the seed to the sower for bread, for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. And then we see the verse that we read earlier. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So why does Paul... Why does the Apostle Paul offer a testimony of the Macedonians to the Corinthian church? You know, as I look at this, I wonder, you know, why is it that Paul would ramble on for for four chapters about the Macedonians as he's writing to them? Why is it that he would point to them? Why is it that he would offer such a grand testimony of of what he sees in the, the Macedonians? You know, I thought about that as I as I was looking into this text and and, and coming to realize that Paul saw some very significant things that was taking place in their life. And it was a bit of a celebration. Paul is, is ecstatic, if you will, of, of what he saw in their life. He, he, he's really blown away by what he sees. But as we look at the life of Paul, as he is writing all of this to the Corinthians, and he begins to talk about the Macedonians, we see that it's because Paul sees firsthand the joy and the fulfillment that they found in coming together in ministry. That's one of the reasons that he wanted to say this. He says, you know, I look into their life, I look into their life, and what I see is these people who are just overjoyed and they're, they're filled up with the, the blessings of God because, because God has given them this unique, re- remarkable opportunity to come together and do ministry together. And so he says, man, as I look at this, as I see what God has done in their life as individuals and then coming together as a body, I see that they are just overjoyed and they are fulfilled by, the, by, by, by what God is doing in the life of, of this community of believers. He also has noticed firsthand how effective they were because of their unity. You see, they're not just coming together and sort of making it work. They're coming together and they're being unified by a common vision Because of their relationship with Christ, they are unified. God is the glue that is holding them together. And they have realized that together they can make a much greater 
impact on their community than they could ever as individuals. Paul is looking into their life and he's just blown away. He's, he's really encouraged and he begins to see personally how enriched they were because of their generosity. This is one of the things that really stands out to Paul. He begins to talk about this and he says, man, one of the things I see is despite their poverty, God enriches them. In other words, he gives them the ability to be generous. Because they have such a generous heart, God is continuing to give them the ability to continue in their generosity. And so he points this out to them. He says, man, they're enriched. And, and as he looks at this and as he tells the Corinthians, I can resonate with why Paul would want to say this because it is a great thing for, for us all as believers, even today, to understand as we consider the calling that has been placed on our life, the vision that we, have been, that we have been given by God himself to reach our community and coming to this understanding that truly together we can make a difference in not only our kingdom but ultimately the world. And that God, as, he, as, as his people come together and they begin to do ministry together and they begin to live life together and do life together and grow together and serve together, that God will enrich us as well to continue to do that which God has called us to do. There's so many lessons to be learned from this passage as Paul is, is writing to the Corinthian church to say, look at this and how God is moving in such an amazing way. And I love the heart of that. I love the fact that Paul would just basically be telling a story, sharing a story of how God is using a people to do something truly spectacular. You know, we just finished a series where we were talking about giving of our, of our time and our talent and our treasure. And I love this passage because it really builds support in that whole mindset of, of giving of our time, talent, and treasure. But what Paul's not saying here, he's not writing him a letter saying, hey guys, listen, you've been slacking in your giving, so I want to I just tell you, you need to give, give, give. This isn't the intent of Paul. What Paul is doing is saying, listen, I know you give, I know that you are generous, but I want you to see something. These people over here, they, despite their poverty, they're being generous, and look at how God is using these people to do something remarkable. So Paul is really encouraging the church to continue to be what you're being as generous people, as, as people who are supporting ministry, but then he also sort of offers this heads up, oh, by the way, me and some of the Macedonians, we're going to make it over there soon, so I hope you're still living like that. <laughs> he sort of challenges them with this heads up to, to continue to give, to continue to keep doing what it is that you're doing. And so there's really, it's really amazing what Paul is, is revealing to us through this scripture here this morning. I want to show you something. Look at verse 10 with me for just a moment. In verse 10, we read these words. He says, he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You know, the, the word says that when we are generous here, that when we become a generous people, that God will literally prosper the people to be more generous. It's really amazing. I know there's a lot of, 
a lot of talk these days about prosperity gospel. And I want to touch on that for just a second here because I think there's a lot of error in, in what is being proclaimed as prosperity gospel because what is being taught so often is that if you become a generous giver, then God will bless you with the BMW. And I believe that's a, that's a warped understanding of how God prospers the generous giver. What, what Paul is saying here is he says this. He says, he who supplies the, the, the seed to the sower and the bread for food will supply and multiply the seed for sowing. In other words, as you use your generosity to make a difference for the kingdom of God, then God will prosper you that you will be able to continue being generous and he will provide the seed that you need to sow, the seed that you will need to see ultimately the harvest of your righteousness. He will prosper the generous person. But we need to be very understanding of what it is that he is prospering us for. That we would be more committed to uh, being people of generosity. That we would be more uh, intentional about continuing to advance his kingdom. That's why he's making us prosperous. That's why he is increasing our ability to be generous. When God is faithful to increase our supply, he does it says here in the word, increase the harvest of our righteousness. In other words, as we give more of our time, our talent, and our treasure, then God is faithful to allow us to see the harvest, to see lives being changed, to see the needs of people being met, to minister to a community and ultimately to a world and receive the blessings that come with that. And so there will be uh, an increase of the harvest of our righteousness. We need to understand that God will bless the generous giver of his time, talent, and treasure when he is using it for the glory of God. I love what John Piper says all about this. He says, God increases our yield so that by giving we can prove our yield is not our God. I love that. He says, God does not prosper a man's business so he can move, forward, move from a Ford to a Cadillac, God prospers a business that 17,000 unreached people can be reached with the gospel. He prospers the business so that 12% of the world's population can move a step back from the precipice of starvation. In other words, he prospers the church. He prospers the individual follower of Christ Jesus that that individual and that church could be used to advance his kingdom and to bring glory to his name. That's what's so amazing about this. And Paul is pointing to the Macedonians, and he said, I saw it with my own eyes. I saw these people who were living for Jesus. I saw these people who Jesus was the main thing, who Jesus was the most important thing in their life, and they recognized this together, and they came together, and they loved one another, and they were bound together, and they were unified together by the love of Christ in their life. And as God was doing something remarkable in who they were, as a result of that God from their overflow, they began to give, and they began to be very generous people. And Paul says, despite the fact that they were very poor, that they had very little to give, together collectively they were making a difference. So Paul says, man, that's a picture of generosity. That's a picture of giving of our time and our talent and our treasure. I don't know about you, but to me that's just really beautiful. 
You know, I, I realize that in this room here today, we come from all walks of life, you know. There are some that maybe make a lot of money and others that hardly make any money. The reality is that there are some of us here today that have very little time to contribute because of the busyness of maybe four jobs that we're trying to hold down while others have more spare time on their hands. There may be some who have, you know, one spiritual gift and others who are blessed with, it seems like, an abundance of spiritual gifts. But the reality is this, is that God has given us an opportunity. He's given us an opportunity to be a part of something really beautiful here in this community, to come together as one local body, to come together as one church, to come together and to be a part of something much greater than we could ever be individually. And so we see this being uh, just spelled out so beautifully as Paul is, is, is given this testimony of the Macedonians. It's what he was celebrating. This morning, I want to sort of wrap it up with, with four ways that we can see a blessing through our generosity because I think this is important for us to understand. This is really the message that Paul had for the Corinthians as he was writing to them about all of this. The first one is this, is that when we give, God will increase our ability to be more generous. We've already talked about that, but I want us to look at this passage and see where we see that here in the Word. You see, when we give, God will increase our ability to even be more generous than what we currently are. He says here in verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Paul is saying to them, I've seen it with my own eyes. It's really amazing how, you know, in, in, the, in spite of their poverty, they were able to continue giving they were able to, to find the way to give despite the fact that they were very poor. And he testifies that it's because God was enriching them in every way to be generous in every way. I, I know most of us here have probably heard that old saying, you can't outgive God. You remember somebody telling you that one day? I mean, I've heard that all my life as a believer in Christ Jesus. But I remember the day that as a young man, uh, the guy that was discipling me started talking about tithing and giving and generosity. I remember that day. And I remember that day, I was a young man who had just started my own business and, and I was doing pretty well for myself and things were going good. And, and he sat down and he started talking about what the tithe was and what offering was and, and, and what all that meant for the, for the New Testament believer, the believer and follower of Jesus Christ. And, and, I, and I believe he had a very good understanding of that. But he was, he was sort of walking through. And I remember he got to the part about the tithe and he was talking about giving above and beyond that. But he was, he was talking about the tithe and he gave this number 10%. And I remember hearing that number. And real quickly, I took my salary, what I was making these days, and I, or those days, and I converted it to 10%. And I, and, and I stopped and I said, wait a minute, do you mean 1%? Because I could not imagine why I would be responsible for as much as I was coming up. And he said, oh, no, 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 10%. And I said, what? Are you serious? I mean, you, 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 you mean I'm supposed to be giving God? I mean, that's what generosity would look like for me? And I, I remember he was very gracious as he was teaching me this truth about what generosity looked like, but it, it sort of blew my mind. And the reason that it blew my mind is because, you see, I was seeing that money that I was giving to the church as really just money that was going out the window. I wasn't seeing how that benefits the life of the church and our ability to go out and make disciples of many. 
I didn't see the plan that God had in, in me being a, a generous person, not only with my money, but with my time and my talents. And, and, and so this guy, as he was ministering to me, he was helping me to understand what true biblical generosity really looked like. And it was challenging for me. And I remember hearing him say those famous words, you can't outgive God, David. And I remember just beginning to practice these things that he was teaching me, wondering how in the world I'm going to come up with that kind of money to give to the church. And yet, as I lived out my generosity, God began to enrich the ability that I would have to give that and more. You really can't understand it till you've done it. You can't really understand it till you've lived out your life as, as a person, a believer, a follower, uh, being a person of generosity, but giving of our time, our talent, and our treasure and so one of the things that we see here in the scriptures is that God will increase our ability to be more generous. The second thing we see here in the passage is we, when we give, we will find ourselves more thankful to God. Now, this was kind of hard to understand because, because typically when we give money, especially when we give something, when we, when we give it away like that, uh, a lot of times we, just, we, we don't really have a spirit of thanksgiving. Let me explain what I mean by that. I've never paid a bill that I was thankful to have to pay. You know, when the electric bill comes in, I'm never thankful for that. Are you? I mean, I'm, I'm usually thinking there's a conspiracy here, right? There's no way we use that much electricity. Isn't that kind of where your mind goes, you know? I, I've never paid my taxes and felt real warm and fuzzy about that. Have you? You know, it, it's, I don't get them back. I don't know about you. I, I usually pay. We, we pay quarterly and all that kind of stuff. But, it, you know, when, when we're paying our taxes, it's, I, I don't feel thankful that I have to write that check. There's never been a time in my life that I'm like, I'm just so thankful our government's going to get my money. You know, I'm just not there. I'm, maybe you are. I'm just not, never there. I've never thought, you know, thank you, Lowndes County, that I could pay you for my water, that which you have an abundance of. I've never thought that, you know. And yet the scriptures teach us something radically different than that. That when we give to God, here's what the word of God says, that when we give to God, that we, it will, in our generosity, produce something that is certainly opposite of what other things produce. That when we give because of our generosity, that it will produce thanksgiving toward God. In other words, we find ourselves being thankful that we have the ability to be generous. That doesn't really make sense, does it? And yet, that's the promise of God's word here. As we read this text, as we look at this, Paul says this, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You know, I recently saw this in my wife. She came in to, to tell me what we had, you know, as we were working on our taxes, she was gathering up all of our tax stuff, which is always just the worst time of my life, isn't it for you? I mean, it's just, it's never a good time, but we're, because you never know where you put that stuff anyway, you know? But anyway, we're trying to round it up, and she came in, and she goes, do you realize this is what we gave to the church last year? And what I saw in that comment was not, can you believe what we gave to the church? It was, it was a spirit of joy and thankfulness for being able to contribute to be a person of, people of generosity to our faith family. And it was something I'd really never seen before, but I can almost understand what Paul was seeing as he was looking into the life of the Macedonians as I see this, because the reality is the Word of God teaches us that we will, we will grow in our thanksgiving toward God. He says, it will produce in you, 
It will produce in you thanksgiving to God. You know, here's what I know about thankfulness. Here's what I know about feeling thankful. Is it feeling thankful, uh, having, there, in other words, having a heart for, uh, you know, full of thankfulness and joy is really the ultimate heart of worship, isn't it? Being at a place as a believer in Christ Jesus where you find yourself truly thankful and content with what God is doing in your life, truly thankful for what God has given us, and, 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 and the place that you find yourself truly as a, as a believer in Christ Jesus, that spirit of thankfulness is really worship. It's our ability to worship God despite where we find ourselves. One passage that sort of came to mind as I was thinking about that was Hebrews 12, verse 8, which says this, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We were singing about that earlier. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Let us be grateful. You see how grateful, a grateful heart, a heart of thanksgiving, a thankful heart, is really a place of worship. And I look at this and I think, why would us giving to God produce thankfulness in our hearts? If, if being generous people, that's something God must have to do. And I, as I looked at that, I thought, man, how God has a way, a beautiful picture of how God has a way of redirecting our thoughts and our minds and our hearts on himself. What a beautiful picture there. Here's the second, uh, third thing I want to give you here this morning. And we've got to hurry. We've just got a few minutes here left. But when we give, we get to witness God meet the needs of his people. You know, there's probably nothing more satisfying as a follower of Christ Jesus to see God meeting the needs of someone and using us, the church, to accomplish that. I, I don't know about you, but going out into the... I was watching the video earlier, and it showed images of, of bumper bag ministry, and it showed images of, of, of bubs and all the different activities where we've gone out and it showed images of of us from the church praying with other people and, and and to me that's such a beautiful thing but knowing that God is using us to make a difference in this community and beyond is truly amazing and it's a beautiful thing to see God at work in such a way that we get to witness God meeting the needs of his people it's a beautiful picture and Paul says here in verse 12, he says, For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. There's, there's just nothing more beautiful than meeting the needs of someone in need. I remember I was six years old, and my parents divorced. It was a complicated time in our life, but me and my sisters, uh, we, we were living with my mom. Suddenly she was a single mom and single parent, and, and we were struggling. And back then... Uh, both of my parents were very limited on their resources, and, 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 and we found ourselves well below the poverty line. We were, we were extremely broke. We were extremely poor. At six years old, you really don't understand it. And my mom, she did such a beautiful job of trying to, 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 to help just change the atmosphere from, you know, helping us not see the poverty in which we were in. Uh, she, would, she would say things like, you know, typically our, our daily dinner was either potato soup or tomato soup, okay? That was it. If it was a really good day, we might have a grilled cheese sandwich to go with that. But she would come in and she'd say, okay, kids, what do we want today? Potato or tomato? And we would say, potato, because most little kids at six years old don't like tomatoes, but sometimes it was tomato soup. 
She would just do such a great job of just trying to help us understand that life wasn't about money. And as little as we had, the little, the little room, the little, the little one-room shack that we possessed as a, as a home, my mom truly made it a home. Well, years later, not too many years later, my mom was in a better place in her life. She was at a place where we were now eating, you know, regular meals. And so, you know, and, and, and I remember it came Thanksgiving, and my mom was really busy. She, it was probably one of the first times since we had moved from that time of poverty to a, a different place where we were going to have truly a Thanksgiving dinner. And she was cooking a turkey, and she was, you know, getting all the trimmings ready. And I remember that everything that she was preparing, there was two of. And suddenly we, we began to load up one half of that meal. We took a whole turkey and we took all the trimmings and we started loading it in the car. And I began to ask my mom, I said, what are we doing? And she says, we're going to take this to a family that's in need. And so we loaded up her little car and we went across town and we went to someone who, was, who had worked with my mom and who had also found herself in the place that my mom had once been. And I remember we drove up, and the, the lady had no idea what we were bringing as we knocked on the door, and we started bringing in the food. I remember as the, as the oldest and as a, a young boy toting that turkey in to her house and just seeing the tears stream off of her face and how that changed my life forever as I began to see someone receive a grand blessing in their life. My mom was teaching something in her children that is to never forget where we've come from, for one, but also to always be people of generosity. And we gave to that family that year. And it was just such an incredible, beautiful blessing for us. There's nothing like seeing God meet the needs of people. The last thing I want to talk about here, and I think this is really beautiful too, when we give, it will result in love and affection among God's people. You see, we have this this remarkable ability to receive the blessing of seeing others bless because of our generosity. But we also see God do something among us. And one of the things that Paul says here in verses 13 and 14, he says, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. For while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Paul is saying in the context of what he's saying here is he's saying, listen, one of the things I saw among the Macedonians was that not only did God use their generosity to bless others, but God did an incredible work among them. And one of the things that Paul recognized is that the Macedonians, despite their poverty, were praying for the Corinthians who were much better off you see, there was um, uh, among them a love, not only for Jesus Christ, but for others. There was among themselves an affection that they had, not only for Jesus, but for others. They truly were the example, and Paul is testifying to this, uh, of the reality that for the believers in Christ Jesus, we are called to love God and to love people. And it was a beautiful time as Paul was revealing this truth to them. Paul saw this in, this in their life, and he was amazed by it. The reason we give is because we know that our giving will result in a blessing for many others. The reason that we give is so that we can continue to feed the hungry, 
that we can continue to clothe the poor, that we continue to reach our community for Christ. That's the reasons that we give of our time and our talent and our treasure. I am so thankful that we are a church of generosity. I am thankful that so many of you give of your time and your talent and your treasure. I am thankful, just like Paul was thankful of the Macedonians, I am thankful that God is using us in such an incredible way to change the hearts and the lives of so many in our community. Because you see, truly, that's our purpose. That's our aim, is to make disciples and ultimately see people come to know Jesus for who he is. I want to close with one last quote from John Piper where he says this. He says, our aim is not to focus on coping with the crowds, but on increasing the number of those who worship Jesus. That is, we are focused on spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in Jesus Christ. That's why we are called to be generous. Whether we're talking about our time, our talents, or our treasure. It's because our aim, our goal, is to help others discover the greatest gift that we have ever received. And we've already identified today, this morning as a church, amen, that Jesus Christ is that greatest gift. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to have a time to respond and worship God. And maybe today, for you, your greatest act of worship is to, is to just continue to meditate on the truth that Jesus Christ truly is the greatest gift that we could ever receive. Or maybe to you today, the greatest response that you could give over what God has been revealing to you this morning is to come to this altar and to pray for our community, to pray for our family and friends, pray for the poverty in our community, pray that people would not only have their physical meat, needs met by the church by us and by other churches but also the spiritual need as we carry the gospel to our community that people would see that the greatest thing in their life like we have testified today is that Jesus Christ is their hope let us pray let us pray for our community let us pray that God would continue to enrich us that we could continue to be people of generosity and that we could continue to see lives change because of the efforts of this church, of this faith family. We are one faith family. We are one faith whom God himself has gathered together for the sake of advancing his kingdom and ultimately bringing glory to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for every ability that you have given us in the past to be people of generosity. God, we recognize that Lord, you have blessed us that we may give of our time. You have blessed us where we could give of our talent. And you have blessed us where we could give of our treasure. And God, it's so amazing to see your word teach us. God, that as we continue to be people of generosity, that what your word promises is that you would enrich us to continue to be generous. And God, to even prosper, that we could be more generous than we ever have before. God, all for the sake of people coming to know you 
as their Lord and their Savior. Father, I pray that as the church, Lord, we would be faithful to to respond to that, God. That we we would never see our prosperity, that we would never see the blessings of our treasures as that which has been given to us, but God, we would see it Father, is a blessing that we could give to many. And Lord, understanding that you have gathered us in this place, that Father, though we may can make a difference as individuals, God, bringing us together like this, we have the opportunity to make an even grander difference in our community as one body. Father, we love you and we thank you for the work that we see you do every single day in this place. We're thankful for the opportunity we see you move in the hearts and lives of many. God, help us not get caught up on the crowd. But God, understand that our role is to help people understand the supremacy of Christ Jesus in their life. Jesus, you are our hope. You are our future. You are our everything we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.